Previously on Party in Peril, you walk through the doorway and immediately you are facing the opposite direction back outside. And now there are two other statues, one on the left, one on the right, but just a pedestal in the middle that says, take up your place. All right, I guess I step on there, see what happens. And from behind a large stack of books on a center desk steps Avador's master, Thiel was the first demon. She reached out into the universe and pulled new magic into this world, creating something called the Celestials. Energy that, that ripped through also created three new beings born from the remains of Thiel. Balaam, the first lycanthrope, the first vampire. There was a third race. That's me. Elves and dwarves worked together to create an artifact that temporarily put the Celestials into hibernation. The artifact was then dismantled and scattered across the world once the Celestials were at rest. And your coin would be a part of that artifact. And the key is what would unlock the power of these Celestials. All travels in finding these artifacts, we are being followed. They know that you have it. Does she still exist? His age is just really showing now because he's just like, I was hoping we would never really have to talk about this, but I knew one day you would ask. The, the tieflings were mostly exterminated after they were first conceived in this world. The reason being is because they look just like Thiel. I mean, they grew specifically from the remains of, of her, her body, her head. The descriptions of her, Avador, she looks just like you. Is she my mother? Anything is possible. Unfortunately, there's not a lot to know about the tieflings. The only ones surviving fled somewhere and have never been seen since until I found you. Why did you save me? Why did you keep me? Regardless of how you were created or where you're from, you were just a child. You were innocent. So I took you in as my own to raise you, to see what things that you could provide to this world. And I'm very proud of the person that you've become. You aren't evil incarnate as some in legend would lead us to believe tieflings could be being descended from the first demon. The tieflings have passed into such obscurity that they're mainly just thought of of, of legend and, and myth and some probably have never even heard of them before. So if you wander into a tavern, they might just think that you're some sort of just strange mutated creature of this world rather than a race in and of itself. She had the power to pull magic from the universe. Is this... Something that all tieflings are able to do, or what made her so skilled? That I don't know. And there are none surviving to be able to answer. Aside from maybe one. Avador, your... Your magics... They never really manifested the way that I expected. I teach arcane magic, which... I'm unfortunate to say you never quite excelled greatly in. However, you were intelligent and you were able to interact with nature. And I know of someone that has a connection to the same type of magic and may be able to answer some of these questions. Now, I didn't know exactly for sure that he was who he said he was, but if these myths and legends are true, then maybe he was telling me the truth but I will need some time to find him. It might take a few hours, but I will contact him and bring him here, and he might be able to answer more questions for you. I appreciate that. I honestly do. So he kind of he kind of nods 
so retroactively, I, I, we, we didn't address what was going on with Shepard as far as if anyone was carrying him, but I'm just going to say that Sarah and Grunwald had been carrying him, but Grunwald went up to uh, his rooms and, and things like that. So um, I'm going to say that Shepard's just kind of lying there on the floor. He's still naked. Nobody has bothered to put any clothes on this guy. <laughs> this, it's ridiculous. Sarah's going to look down and, and kind of say, with your magic, is there anything that you could do to at least make him easier to carry? He kind of looks over and one of his uh, room bots, as we dub them. <laughs> I love that. Is kind of nearby, like uh, polishing a table and he nods to the room bot who um, comes over and he lifts Shepard up in the air. And then as, as he's holding him in place, Kavela starts doing a little bit of a spell and kind of unfurls this piece of cloth from his hand, which kind of grows and grows and grows till it's almost like the size of like a blanket that's about the size of Shepard's body. And it floats kind of underneath him. And then the, the room bot lets go and Shepard plops down this blanket, which is still floating in the air. And that blanket kind of floats him over behind Sarah. All right, there you go. Now you won't have to carry him at all. He will just follow you around. Sure enough, Sarah takes a few steps, kind of as if like she's testing it to the left, and then the blanket with Shepard on it kind of starts floating towards her, um, just almost like keeping pace too. So problem solved as far as that goes. Now you don't have to carry his <laughs> naked butt everywhere. I'll just go up to the room. I don't really have too much to do here. I mean, I'm not looking to steal anything or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Uh, I I think at most I would just practice my my clownery in in different ways, just like uh, I don't maybe more juggling. Uh, I don't have a lot invested into the whole world of magic, nor do I really mm -hmm. understand it. So I'm kind of just along for the ride on this one. You guys start um, climbing the stairs up towards that hallway that he kind of indicated earlier, and um, you end up in a hallway just full of uh, all these different doors and stuff like that. And you can see that everyone. That that you have been traveling with, as well as you all have names carved on these doors. So you can see there's one that says Roger Stein. There's one that says Piper Tealeaf, Elros, Krog, Grunvold, um, Jewel, Sarah, um, even Shepard's name is carved on one door. And you see one that says Jack and one that says Avador. So um, you guys can go in your own rooms. You can visit someone from their rooms, just see what's going on. Whatever you want to do. It's been a while since we've had our own rooms. It'll be mm -hmm. nice to decompress and relax. So do you guys want to retreat to your individual rooms? Yeah, I think I'd also would like to grab whatever books I need in order to freshen up, especially the ones that Jewel was pointing out. Like, I read that one and I read this one. That was uh, the books that the master was. That he had? Okay, yeah, sure. Huh? So you, you take those with you and you can head to your room. Here's the thing about yours. So you you used to live here. So this room that you walk into is exactly the way you remember it. I mean, down to every detail. So why don't you tell us, what does your room look like once you walk in there? I walk in and there's a giant new kids on the block poster. and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> new new orcs on the block. New orcs on the block. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's very teenage like. Um a mix of of plants that have died and have not been fed. And as I walk by, I use my magic to revive them up again. So the life starts coming back again as I walk through. There are Tons and tons of journals and diaries and, and sketches of my studies. Things that are very nostalgia. You've got a lot of like uh, black candles, crosses and skulls from when you went through your goth phase. <laughs> it's not a phase. <laughs> but they thought it, it still feels like a very teenage room. You can see the, the transformation of old stuffed animals who haven't been touched like nothing nothing's been touched everything's been kept just the way as I left it and, and yet it feels so familiar the smell feels familiar and and um does it feel smaller than you remember 
It does. It, it feels smaller. I feel like I've grown. I, I feel that this, what I thought was a cage before, because it was my my cell in, in a way that I could only learn so much. But now it feels like I'm in my roots. So it doesn't feel like a cage anymore. It just feels, it actually feels like home. It's like something that I didn't know I would have missed until walking in. Well, it felt like a cage before, kind of feels like shelter now. Yeah, it, it feels like a sanctuary. You're like an, an Amish that just returned from Rumspringer. <laughs> Can I do a perception check in my room just to kind of see if anything stands out to me? You, you won't need to do a perception check. These rooms are, are all magical. So they have been just equipped to, to be the exact room that you would want or need. So when you walk in the door, Jack, this is exactly what you would hope to have. So you tell us, what does your room look like? There are juggling balls everywhere. and <laughs> no, it, uh, You go in this room and you can have anything. You walk in, it's just balls. <laughs> What's with <laughs> you and balls? It, balls. It's, a giant, it's a giant ball pit. Yeah. No, oh my um, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, it, it's pretty plain. I'm not used to anything super extravagant. There's some ornate... Uh, decoration that looks very expensive to where in my old life I would have been like oh I, I need to like take this but now I'm I'm trying to like if anything it's it's me practicing my patience and my my willpower to not steal everything in this room because it looks like I could strip <laughs> it and sell it for a ton and this is just me speaking from my prior uh, like I guess bandit slash thief life and mm -hmm. so I'm trying to be good no one has wronged me, so it's it's sort of like temptation all around me, which I guess would be since that's kind of the first thing that crosses my mind as right. a little thief. Not a lot aside from that, maybe some thievery books or something. I don't know, some sort of scrolls that I can maybe learn from. So you're kind of like looking at um, maybe some literature that... Um, like former thieves and, and stuff like that, like famous yeah. ones would have written kind of about like their exploits and, and those that they've tricked in their past right. and the swindled. Thief, and thievery for dummies. Yeah, stuff Thievery like for that. dummies. Uh, thieves throughout history is, <laughs> yeah. is one of the volumes you grabbed and you're looking <laughs> through and stuff. Can okay. I uh, go into his room with a book in hand that I'd like to share with him? Sure thing. Yeah. Okay. Does, does everyone else see what if if someone else were to go to to like my room, for example, would she still see exactly what I'm seeing, or is it in yeah. her own image? Okay, because those rooms are specifically suited to the the person that's going to be residing in them. Okay, so like yeah, if one of you guys went into someone else's room, you would see what that room is for that person. Otherwise, things would get real crazy. So instead of walking in, uh, because these rooms are magical, I'm able to just kind of open up a little portal from one wall to the other. <laughs> oh, sure, we, we, we can do that. That's freak me out, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll just, we'll have a, um, yeah, actually, roll me a straight d20 for something. I just want to, I want to try something here. Six. Six. Okay, so, so like a hole suddenly just kind of opens up. Like, Jack, you hear like a, a, like almost like a crumbling sort of noise. But what it is, is you just see this hole start opening up in the side of, of one wall. But it doesn't get very big, just enough for Avador to poke her head through. I crouch behind my bed real quick just to... <laughs> I'm, I'm peeking over it just to see what's happening. Hi. <laughs> oh my God, why? Why did you do that? I'm so sorry. I apologize. We, we have I doors. But what fun is a magic house if you do not try your spells on the walls? What? What is your idea of fun, Avador? <laughs> <laughs> you just like turtle... Head, like I poked your head in. through my wall. <laughs> oh, I'm just even out of character. That's kind of terrifying to me. The idea of it. <laughs> my my apologies. I did not mean to startle you. It's I've never had people come visit me in my home, and I'm actually quite excited. This feels like a sleepover, and it's something I've always wanted as a child. And and now I have my friends here with me. And excuse me, I'm just. Quite excited. Could you please just come in the door before you keep talking to me? Okay, okay, okay. I, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> My apologies. Okay. The, the hole closes back up in the wall. You hear the same kind of crumbling sort of noises as, as the brick and everything starts um, sealing itself back up. 
And then the door to your room opens and Avador walks through. I enjoy what you've done to your room. This is quite to you. And just full of balls. (laughs) (laughs) You even have a ball pin. Of course you do. Of course. (laughs) Is that your bed? So what if it is? No judgment at all. My my room is quite whom I used to be in my past, and and I actually quite enjoy it myself. But uh, while I was there shuffling through and in my journals, I, I remembered a certain book that I think you would enjoy. It's called Illusions, and it was during a time in which I didn't understand my magic, and and it's for humans, actually. It's it's not magic per se, but I think you'd quite enjoy it for yourself. I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> magic usually comes from those who are born with it and those who possess it. But this is, you are human and, and that is a gift in itself. But I believe okay. that you have the capability to use your skills as a, a street performer instead of a, a street rat. But I'm still on the street either way. You're, okay, But you can... Still use this to your advantage and all people and and their minds and and give them an idea that you yourself possess magic even when you don't. So so wait wait so is this basically like deception? Yes. Um, I, I'm just trying to understand mechanic game mechanic wise like what this is that you're talking about because I I'm what a, you're I'm saying. L- let this keep playing out and then we'll see where it goes and I might come up with, with something based off of what happens but you guys just keep doing what you're doing so what you're saying is like I could I'm I'm not doing magic but I could look like I'm using magic exactly you can use it to defend yourself you can use it to hide yourself honestly there's there's many things in here that I've used in my past in order to not actually use a true magic spell and and be able to hide from an enemy or be able to hide anything. And this might help you with our, our coin and, and our the key. You've done a great, great service of keeping it close to you that we haven't been able, no one's been able to catch you. And maybe maybe you'll be able to possess something in, in order to, to swap. Like, watch this. And I use the key as an example, and put it in one hand and then make it look as if it disappeared. And then it comes up again in another place. You, like, you pull it out from behind my ear. Yeah, basically. It is like, <laughs> it is like, do you see what I mean? Was that in my ear the whole time? The whole time. <laughs> and these are just small illusions. They're not tricks and they're not magic, but it's an illusion. I to- see. So you're hiding things inside of people's body parts. I understand. Jack, I really have great no, no, hopes I've got for it. you. I've got it. Is what is this book called, by the way? The Illusionist uh, or something? She said it originally. I think. What, what oh, name yeah, what did, did you, you give say? it? I didn't think I said anything. I thought you you <laughs> I, said something about illusions. I thought. No. Well, no. I mean, I said that it is a book of illusions. Oh, okay. Maybe that can be the name of it. It's the Book of Illusions. It's very <laughs> straightforward. Like that. And it teaches you other things, in, in order to use pen and paper and quill so that when so you write any a erases, game. Okay. <laughs> uh, things that you write down can erase and what you truly wrote down <laughs> will, will appear with a certain ink. You, so you're giving me magic ink. You're teaching me to hide <laughs> things behind. Then it's not magic, Jack. It's no, no, not illusions. actual magic. That's what I'm talking about. Like disappearing ink. That's what it's called. Yes. Yeah, let's yeah. do the. It, it's it's just picture right now that should should I's character Avador is basically channeling uh, Job from Arrested yes, Development. Yes, from Arrested Development. It's like they're illusions. illusions. <laughs> they're illusions. I'm captivated. I'm I'm interested in what in what she's saying, but I'm also very confused. I do need to read this book because maybe then I will I will understand that she didn't actually hide this in my ear. So let's say that you start kind of looking through this book, and what it is is basically parlor tricks in a way. Mm-hmm. of kind of like she did with like the coin and stuff like that of directing other people's um, focus while you're doing something else, manipulating with your hands. So using your sleight of hand skill and things like that, but it's kind of describing things that maybe Jack hasn't thought of before, like redirecting someone's attention while he's doing something so that maybe you're looking someone in the eye, talking to them, 
but you're also picking their pocket, like literally as you're having a conversation with them, or you are swapping things of weight in and out. Like somebody has um, a wallet in their pocket, but you have placed a pebble in it of equal weight as you're swapping in and out things that would keep you from getting maybe give you a little bit more advantage while you're doing things like trying to steal. We'll say it's like, it's like something that's trying to like open your eyes to, to using your uh, deception and, and sleight of hand and things like that. Maybe in ways that you haven't done before. I like that. Wow. This is awesome. Thank you so much, Avador. I'm just flipping through this book. I'm completely amused. I'm I'm sitting in my ball pit bed, just kind of kicking around. <laughs> it, it tells you how to do that thing where like, Let's see. They wouldn't have pencils in this world. Where if you like grab a quill and you wave it <laughs> up and down between your fingers, it looks like it's rubber because it's moving so differently. Yeah, that's the first thing I learned. That's the first page. You're like, whoa! I was like, hey, hey, look at this. Does this look like rubber? Look at it. <laughs> it will also teach you how to remove your finger <gasps> and reattach as well. <laughs> like, or you can get somebody's nose. Yeah. <laughs> using your using your thumb. Oh, I got your nose. She walks away with my nose. Give it back. It also talks a little bit about thieves can't, which is something that you have being a thief, but I don't think that you've ever had to use, but it's basically like a language in a way that that thieves communicate and stuff like that to let other thieves kind of know certain things. So I'm going to let you decide what that means. If it's something um, spoken, if it is something written, if it's done with motions or taps or something like that against a person or a body, like a sound or a feeling, I'll let you decide what, what that's like. There's only one other person with your group right now that would know what thieves can't is. And that would be Piper. I feel like it would be more of like a gestures, a gestural sort of, speak okay so let's say that this book is kind of um like you've known about it but maybe it's something that you were just really unfamiliar with but this book contains it so like if you were to try something and and you can kind of think in your head like well if i try this in front of piper knowing that she is kind of like me and and the the sort of things that she does because she was a thief that just you know happens to work on the ship with sign and stuff that she would probably know what it is. So it might be a way for you two to communicate, but it, it would just be basically between you and her. Okay. So it's basically like a, I, I'm kind of describing a, a football play to her, or I'm a, I'm a catcher telling a pitcher what to do. Yes. Basically like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm fascinated. I'm just uh, diving into the book. I, I've stopped talking to Avador altogether. I'm ignoring her now. <laughs> You're like I will never talk to her again. I'm just going to read this book for the rest of my life. Yeah, you're, you're all hanging out. You're you're having like a little study buddy session in Jack's room for a while. And then eventually you're going to hear a little. And we both look up and who do we see? Oh, Indigo's hanging out up there. Yo, dinner's ready. If you guys are hungry, you find any worms or anything like that? You got any bird seed? I'm not even like a real bird. I'm, I'm made of magic, obviously, but like <laughs> I still get hungry and shit. So... If you found anything, like, I'll take it. I mean, I did get books and shit for you guys. Uh, I don't know if I have any worms around, but uh, I'll keep you in mind if I find any. I was just starting to like you. I believe I do have an apple, and and there may be some uh, some vermin inside it that's growing. If, if you mm. like the, the fungus, it, it is. <laughs> fungus? It, I'm a fucking bird. I, I don't eat fungus. I eat, I eat worms and shit. It's it's good for you. It actually uh, attracts worms. Would you would you enjoy mm. that? How how old an apple are we talking here? Oh, uh, we've been at sea for three days, and it was already old. So I'm pretty sure there's some maggots that are a few years that are <laughs> have been hatched inside. All right, I'm done with that. Cool. <laughs> where where do I find this at? Where you got it? It's in my pocket. Here here you go. Uh, Are you he, carrying uh, a rotten apple in your pocket? Because <laughs> I could heal it should I want to eat it. <laughs> he like uh, he swoops down and, and picks it up in his feet and like his feet kind of mush into it a little bit. He's like, ah, perfect. All right, yeah, there's, there's bound to be something in there. Thanks, man. 
<laughs> There's bound to be something in there. <laughs> he just starts I'm, like shoving his beak way into it and you see him pull out a little grub and he's like. <laughs> I'm a little grossed out by this. I'm just like, I, I hold the book up to where I can't see him anymore and I'm just looking at the book. You can hear some shuffling and stuff in the hallway as some of the others are coming out of their rooms to uh, to head over to dinner. And he's like, oh yeah, you guys, I was, you were the last ones to know. Everybody else is, is already heading to dinner. So like, if you don't want to miss out, you might want to get yourselves moving. Shall we retire to the Grubhub? Um, all right, I'm, I'm with you. You're heading towards the same stairs that you previously walked up to get to the rooms. But instead of those stairs leading into the library again, now they're actually heading into a massive dining room. of Just beautiful stone walls decorated in all these various tapestries lit by thousands of floating light orbs just hovering about like 20 feet up in the air and kind of above a large table with just about a dozen chairs. And uh, the table itself is covered in more food than either of you have, have ever seen in your lives. There's roasted pork and pheasant. There's various breads, cheeses, fruits, um, some of which you've never even seen before. There's goblets of, of wine and water at each uh, space to dine. And the chairs themselves actually pull themselves out for you as you approach. And when any of you sit down, the chair pushes itself back in so that you're closer to the table. I'm already at the cheese plates. <laughs> Same. Stein and Sarah are both kind of eaten sort of conservatively, you know, with showing their politeness and stuff like that. Like they're they're carefully like kind of cutting and chewing each bite of of meat and, and vegetable and stuff. They're not drinking any alcohol or anything. Those two are just drinking water and stuff. Piper is just piling everything on her plate as much as she can, just making like a mountain of food. Um, and, and she, yeah, even as she eats, she's grabbing more food and putting it on her plate. So it's just almost like a never ending cycle of more and more food piling up. And the, and the more you guys eat, like it, it just doesn't look like the supply is dwindling down at all. It's just like the food is just permanently there, regardless of how much of it you take. El Ross is mainly just eating fruits, bread, cheese, and he's kind of trying not to smile, but he is a little bit as he's watching Piper just frantically like gorge herself on all of her food. Grunwald's over there just like salivating over like this giant hunk of meat that takes up his entire plate. He's got no bread, no cheese, no fruit. It's just meat that he's just super excited about. Krog's got several bones already completely picked clean. And instead of wine, he's got like this giant tankard of, of beer that he's just guzzling down on uh, just beer after beer. Jewel is not eating. She's just kind of going around the table, like examining each thing of, of food really closely and kind of muttering some things. She's like trying to recall the names of each dish and stuff that's there. And, and watching how the others like eat them and stuff and kind of you can tell like mentally taking some notes and things like that. Uh, I see a table and on that table laying out naked is Shepard. <laughs> yep, I, he's I over there. I call out for, naked. for Indigo and I said, Indigo, why is Shepard still in the nude and is this naked sushi? What What do we have on this <laughs> table? We're gonna do body shots off of Shepard now. Uh, I mean, hey, you guys brought him here like this. Like he ain't my thing. Like I ain't asked to take care of him. But like, if you want some sushi, like I can, I can whip that up on him if that's what he's here for. I don't know. I'm just a magic bird. I don't know your customs and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and shit. <laughs> uh, he he kind of looks over at, at Master Cavela, who's sitting there, kind of munching on like a little small plate of like bread and grapes and he occasionally like flicks a finger and refills like some wine for for himself and some of the others and keeps summoning more tankards of beer for for Krog. He's got like a little subtle smile on his face and no no you don't need to summon any sushi on the naked drow over there but here and and he kind of Kavela just kind of flicks his finger towards uh like almost snapping towards Shepard and now he's got like some some very loose fitting robes and stuff on just some gray robes covering <laughs> covering his chest and his junk and all that parts 
Hey, everybody. Just want to chime in, say thank you for listening to this episode of Party in Peril. I hope you guys are enjoying it. And uh, I know the next episode is going to be very, very, very exciting as well. And you're going to learn a whole bunch of cool things about Abador there. I mean, we've been learning a lot about her recently, but uh, you'll you'll learn a little bit more. Yeah, that'll be fun. As I said on the last episode, we are preparing for this campaign to start winding down, and then we will be starting another one uh, shortly after a little break in between the two. That's going to be really exciting. I'm super, super happy because it's going to be very different than this one, and we're not going to be kind of held down by lots of weird changes to the uh, the podcast right in the middle of the campaign, at least, um, hopefully. Um, hope everybody's staying safe and, and, and happy out there and has plenty of toilet paper. Right now we are recording this uh, right as COVID-19 is really just starting to hit the United States quite a bit. So everybody outside of the United States, you know, our, our wishes are, are with you guys. We hope that you guys are, are doing okay. I know it's kind of a scary time, so I really hope that um, what we do here can at least bring you a little bit of entertainment and, and joy in a time where things are maybe not feeling so great. Big thank you to Thomas Couch, who left us a five-star review with comment on Apple Podcasts. It's from the Almost Human podcast, which is cool. Go check his podcast out. And he says, I really enjoy the content. Love some tabletop bullshit. So awesome. I love it too, buddy, which is why we're doing it so thank you so much for leaving that and um anyone else out there if you want to give us a hand and support the show something that you can do for free is just leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts you can also support us financially if you like by supporting nerd sloth on patreon um all that money goes to support all of our shows which are run by joseph and myself all of the various shows we do are paid for out of pocket or from donations from the listeners, and we don't make any money off of doing it, which we have been doing for several years now. Five years? Six years? Oh my gosh. That's a long time to not be making money off of things. But we love what we do. So if you want to throw us some support that way, you can definitely do that. It'll help us keep creating awesome shows coming your way with the possibility of being able to eventually do some new ones in the future, which we would love to bring a few old ones back and do some new ventures for sure. We've got several, several planned and uh, waiting, waiting for that sweet spot to hit so that we can we can do it. And as always, thank you to our current Patreon supporters. We love you all for your support. Be sure to check out the current episodes of our other podcasts like Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom, Anxiously Ever After, Know the Lore, Overwatch, and our YouTube channels Rerolling and Spartacus Gaming. Lots of fun new stuff everywhere. Make sure you go and check those out. But for now, let's get back to the story. So is Shepard still just passed out? Mm-hmm. He's just there. He's just floating uh, <laughs> on his blanket, sitting on this table actually right now, so... Does the smell of mead not wake him up? You so you see Krog slam down another another beer and it hits the table. You slightly see like one of Shepard's ears twitches, but no, nothing nothing, nothing. else happens. <laughs> what does this look like for you guys? I'm a bread and cheese guy, so I'm gonna be like stacking my challenge to myself is see how high of a tower I can get of bread, cheese, bread, cheese, bread, cheese. See how tall I can get it? And then I have to eat all of it. You can kind of see like Piper is kind of giving you a nod of respect as you're like stacking <laughs> food like as high as she is and even surpassing it. My plate looks like something from medieval time. So there's probably a big turkey leg and a whole bunch of like not cornbread, but what, is, what else do they give? They give like a huge turkey leg and, and just uh, mm, like soups and turkey and bread and. Yeah. Oh, from actual yeah. medieval times, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. the place. I thought yeah. you were like from medieval times. No, no. Like <laughs> there's like a, a dinner show going on. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, right. These guys are are Jousting. using lances yeah. to unseat each other. <laughs> maybe it's maybe uh, using the magic. It'll be like a hologram of something in the center that everybody gets to watch. So it's not real jousting, but we it's, just it's get, holographic. We just get uh, you cast a little spell to put a, a little night helmet on Indigo and make him like. <laughs> Dula, Dula clone of himself. He's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, this ain't fun. I just ate my my grubs. 
<laughs> like everybody's can't you let it settle for a yeah. minute. We cheer for the blue night or yeah. the red night and the yellow night. Like beating our, our sterns down on the table, yeah. cheering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you think I'd be the color indigo if that's my name, but like, I don't know. I guess Cavela's got some irony to him or something. It's more of a blue. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm a bluebird. Calling me indigo. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, you guys, you're just eating up. Like some of the, some of the people are kind of, Talking a little bit, you can overhear some of the chatter. Like um, Piper and Ella Ross are just kind of Piper's very gossipy. Like she's she's kind of a, a goofball and stuff, and she's making jokes at other people's expenses. Uh, Ella Ross is just kind of listening and trying not to laugh and smile because he just tries to keep composure all the time. I'm uh, I'm walking around trying out some of these parlor tricks that I've just learned. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like pulling stuff out from behind people's ears, shaking the quills around. <laughs> shaking the quills. Yeah. Look at all these rubber quills I have. And, Grunvold's uh, like, whoa. <laughs> and gives a thumbs up. Taking all taking all the noses. Like I've got a collection of noses now. You're going to start a fight, a little brawl. <laughs> Grunvold's like touching his face just to be sure. Like he's, <laughs> he, he's, he knows that like you couldn't have actually taken his nose, but like, just in case he's touching his face. Yeah, like he does sure. a little, like after I walk away, he's like, uh, sniffs a little bit. He's like, all right, wipes it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Still there. Still there. <laughs> yeah. Good. You can see like Stein and Krog are, are ta- talking quite a bit about like, um, you know, like sailing and, and the kind of stuff that they used to do. You hear Krog talking about his old clan a little bit. Jules still kind of doing her thing, looking around the room, looking at like everything and and kind of watching some of the conversations and she just looks so genuinely interested in what everybody says, but she's having trouble keeping up with all of the different conversations going on. But you can tell she's trying really hard to keep looking at all the food, but also listen to each conversation. And it's not working a little bit. She's getting, for the first time, slightly frustrated from what you can tell. I'm going to sit uh, next to my master and just sort of enjoy my time with him since it's been so long. Sure. He he pats your hand a little bit as you sit down next to him and he and he kind of smiles and starts plopping some grapes into his mouth and chewing a little bit. Got a little <laughs> little bit of dribble going down his cheek that he's trying to wipe away. Going into kinda, his long beard. Yeah, the juice is getting in his beard and stuff, and he's trying to, you know, keep composure and look very studious, but he's pretty hungry, so he's chowing down on them grapes for sure. As everyone's kind of starting to finish up dinner and and getting their fill and everything like that, he kind of looks towards you and and uh, nods at Jack, and he says to you, Avador, he's like, "I would like to talk to the two of you after dinner if you two could stick around, if you don't mind." This is your home, and we we are grateful to be in your company. So yes, we we would gladly see you right after dinner. Sounds good. Great. So, so people are starting to kind of finish up and everything. The, the others start kind of heading back to their rooms once they're all full. And you see Krog is definitely stumbling around quite a bit. Like he had a lot to drink. So did Grunwald. They're kind of like holding each other up a little bit as, as they, they walk up the stairs. These two giant looking dudes, uh, this big human and this big orc keeping each other steady. Sarah starts walking up the stairs and she uh, shepherds little blankets kind of floating along beside her she kind of <laughs> looks back at you two like maybe a slight worry on her face but she just kind of smiles and nods and then she goes up to her room so Kavela, as the the room bots are starting to clean things up and some of the food starts disappearing and things like that and they're taking the dishes away he he looks at you and he says i sense a great destiny in the two of you and your companions but i fear that their journey will eventually lead them down a different path. He looks a little sad for a moment, but he kind of he maintains like a slight smile with those words. He says, I must do the minimum I can to help you, but I can't lend you my full support as there must be a balance. Your destinies are your own, but I do have gifts to aid both of you on your journeys. But you're going to have to earn them. Now, normally, I would have you face your trials separately, but since I can sense that you two are connected by your destinies, I would not be the one to break that connection. So through your trials, 
they will require your own individual actions, but the other will be able to remain present and provide wisdom. These gifts will greatly aid you. Do you accept the trials to earn them? I accept. I accept. Good. Now, ask me what I see when I look at the two of you. Master, what do you see when you look at both of us? I see scuff marks and scratches and tears in your armor and clothing. I see scars on your skin. I can see calluses from gripping your weapons tightly. Now, what conclusion should I draw from that bit of information? We survived a battle. We've been busy. (laughs) (laughs) He laughs a little bit. He says, both are very correct. It tells me you're experienced in battle, which is good. But relying solely on the skills in battle will not keep you alive much longer with the types of things that are hunting you. So, as you enter these trials, use your heads and your hearts. Do you understand? Yes. Always. You both suddenly find yourselves in a small, dusty-looking attic, and you are completely weaponless, both of you. Avador, you are present in the corner of the room, but you find yourself completely unable to move. The attic is all wood and stone. There's some tables and chairs kind of lying around. There's an old painting that's kind of propped haphazardly on the ground against a chair. There's a fireplace, but there's nothing but soot in it right now. Um, On the mantle of the fireplace is a small sculpture. And then on the wall across from that fireplace is an old mirror with a thin layer of dust uh, on it and a thin layer of dust also covering the floor. Again, as as Kavela kind of shared Avador, because this is Jack's trial, you'll be unable to move, but you can still speak with him and try to help, you know, with any wisdom that you might think of or, or any ideas. Jack, you are able to freely move around the room. Like I said, you have no weapons, you have no items on you. It's basically just you and your clothes in this attic. Okay. Um, perception check or intuition perception, I guess. See what I... Sure. Roll a perception check. Oh, nat 20. Nat 20. So perceptive. <laughs> okay. Let's see. I'll give you I'll give you a couple of things here. So the statue that's above the fireplace is the bust of a, a human hunter with a bow strung. And his right hand has a slot to be gripping an arrow as if it's notched, but there's no arrow in his hand. The mirror that is on the opposite wall of the fireplace in that statue, in the mirror, you can see that the statue is complete. It has the arrow. And the painting that is kind of haphazardly on the ground, this painting looks like a, a just some random elven woman or something like that. She's really pretty. And her eyes are pointed towards the fireplace. And I'll, I'll give you this much, too, because it was a 20. Some of the soot around the fireplace looks like it's recently been disturbed. Let me let me pick up the painting. Let me see if I okay, can you pick, pick it up. Pay, painting up. Okay. Is there room above the fireplace to where... Or is there anything like near the fireplace to where it might hang? Like, is there like a nail or anything? There is a nail above the, the fireplace. Um... That would set it above like that statue that you were looking at. Okay, let me do that first and see okay. if anything happens. You set the, the painting on the wall and you kind of take a step back and you now notice that she's looking down. Is she looking down at the statue? It, it's kind of hard to tell because the, the statue is on a mantle above the fireplace. So she's looking down. It could be at the statue. It could be at the fireplace. Is the fireplace lit? I forgot if you said. No, it is it is not lit. It's just kind of soot. And, and as I said, the soot looks like it's been disturbed recently. Is there like a little poker near the fireplace or whatever? Yes. Can I grab that and kind of um, dust the soot around, see if I can notice sure. anything in there? Okay, I'll do that. Okay, yeah. So kind of disturbing the soot and, and some of the coals and stuff that you're brushing around, you can kind of see some of the, the soot fall through like... A little crack or something in the foundation of the fireplace 
um, and that crack seems to kind of continue along the edge of uh, the right side of that fireplace. Can I follow that crack to see... So where do, does it end in the fireplace, or does it travel anywhere further? From what you see right now, you only see that it's kind of um, just running the length of the inside of the fireplace. It doesn't look like it goes beyond that or anything. Okay. Can I kind of feel around in there and see if there's any kind of switch I can find or something? Sure. Yeah, so um, are you trying to put, like, your hand down the crack, or...? Yeah, just any anywhere that feels like uh, it might be depressed a little bit to where I can, like, either push something in or pull something, any kind of switch or handle. Um, as you stick your hand in, um, the so the crack is big enough for you to slip your fingers through. You don't feel anything that you could, um, like, you don't feel any switches or hidden anything, but you do find that, like, where you're sticking your, your hand down, this particular stone is super loose. Okay, like loose enough for me to... I'll, I'll pull on it to see if I can either pull it out okay. or push it in. Sure, so you, you can pull the the stone away, and um, where the stone was, you can see a hardened clay arrow. Pick up that arrow and put it into the uh, statue's notch up there. Okay, so you, you put the, the arrow into the uh, hunter's hand on that bow to complete the statue... I mean, so the statue is complete, but but nothing seems to happen. What do you what What do you want to do now? Can I look in the mirror and see if and I'm am I seeing the painting in the mirror now as well? Since it, the mirror is like showing the fireplace. So now you are looking in the mirror, and you see yourself. You see the statue; it is complete still. You see in the mirror that there's a fire now going in the fireplace, and looking at the painting, the woman in the painting is gone. Do a do a perception check for me. 23. 23. Okay. You can hear a woman's laughter kind of <laughs> echoing throughout the attic that you're in right now. You you can hear footsteps racing across the room coming straight at you. Do I I'll turn and see if I can look towards the footsteps? You see nothing. Oh, creepy. Okay. <laughs> Uh man, I was doing so good. Now I feel a little, a little lost. A Avador, did you, did you see anything running at me? Did you hear that? I did not. Did you feel any wind coming your way when when the footsteps were coming towards you? Did I? As you're kind of asking this, like something slams into you really hard, and you kind of hit the ground a little bit, and then you can hear the footsteps keep um, moving across the attic. And then you kind of hear it turn like it might start coming back at you again. Can I look in the mirror and see if I'm able to see what's approaching or what's attacking me? You you look in the mirror. You're not seeing anything just yet. But then as you hear those footsteps getting closer, you see the elven woman's reflection in that mirror just kind of slam her shoulder into you again as you had just stood up. And then she disappears off again, you know, running that opposite direction. Can I move this mirror at all you you could definitely try to lift it off, off the wall if you'd like to do that is it yeah. the only mirror in the room yes okay yeah let me try to lift it okay you lift the mirror up okay um let me hold it towards where i hear the the woman charging and i don't know see if she'll charge into it or something you can hear the the footsteps running and they come to a stop. Um, actually, roll another perception check for me real quick. 16. You can see in the dust on the floor, you can see her bare footprints and where they had been like running around, and you see that they came to a stop right in front of the mirror. Just picking things apart, she's not in the image anymore in the reflection because she's gotten out of that. But how can I get her back into the... Can I pick up the painting maybe... Off of the... Okay, let me put the mirror back. So facing that painting again? Yeah. The woman is now back in the painting. But <laughs> now... Dumb luck. You sense, you sense she's moving around in the painting. Like, you can look at the painting and see her moving around. And she looks not not angry, but she, she's kind of sad that she's in there. And then she's kind of like waving a hand, kind of like motioning at you. I mean, I'll... I'll look up at the painting. See if so I can get any her, kind of her mouth opens, and 
though you can hear her voice, it doesn't necessarily sound like it's coming from the painting. But, I mean, it sounds like a voice that would belong to her. But it seems to be kind of emanating throughout the entire attic that you're in. And she says, What is your deepest fear? Uh, being alone. Is this Jack speaking yeah. or Joseph speaking? <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> this is just reminding me of, uh, a suit burns better. Look! <laughs> Better look, Burns's suit. Do you remember that reference? No. Oh my god, what was that? That's the Simpsons after Mr. Burns gets shot, and and Chief Wiggum is having a dream where Lisa, Dream Lisa, is trying to lay out to him that he needs to look at Mr. Burns's suit, but she's doing it very cryptically, like uh, like I was saying, like the suit burns better, and she's holding up like a a flaming uh, playing card, <laughs> and suit. he just like. Uh, I don't follow. And it's like, the suit burns better. Look, burn better. Look, Burns's suit. And he, she, she's like, I don't get it. And she just throws it, everything down. She's like, look at Burns's suit. And tells him very directly. That's it. Somebody <laughs> will get that reference and they will laugh. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Party in Peril. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends or digifriends on social media and use the hashtag NerdSloth so we can thank you for your support. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, uh, give us a rating, all those things that can help out the show. It's like rolling a nat 20 every time. See you next episode. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, catch us on YouTube and Twitch or visit us at nerdsloth.com.